Our time in the Silver Age had shown a wide range of stories, and it had been fascinating to see the differences between even linked characters like Superman and Supergirl. Had been fascinating. Metropolis had overstayed its welcome with us. We had one more round of Superman stories to get through before we could put all of this behind us. Maybe they'd be good this time? Maybe? Hi, my name is John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. It's the, it's the last one. We're so close. We're so... It's, it's almost... It's almost the end, or at least it's the end of this this arc for us with Superman for a while, and then we'll move on to Wonder Woman and other stuff, and a whole host of new things and variety is the spice of life, is it not? Um, where I know Joanne is so tired of watching us do this, but I've got I've got a new mic arm for my desk, and that's kind of nice because now my mic doesn't have to be in the way when I'm looking at my notes. Um, so maybe that'll help things move faster. Who knows? Only only the shadow knows. That's an old comics joke and a radio play joke. That's that's the one that I know it most through. Uh, <sighs> my sixth grade teacher would play uh, radio plays occasionally for us. Your sixth grade teacher was awesome. Also, if you've seen the Alec Baldwin, the Shadow movie, oh, I forgot you're just cool in general. That's a great movie. All right, we're going to, you know, shadows aside, we're going to move on to something that we normally do, which is Superman. We're going to jump into Superman number 163 august 1963 uh superman competes with a new hero in town called wonder man no relation to wonder woman uh wonder man is actually one of superman's super advanced robots manipulated and turned into a cyborg by the superman revenge society and they have tasked him with ousting superman and so that they can kill superman when he's like alone and vulnerable and it doesn't work because obviously it doesn't look how not dead superman is in the current oeuvre of comics i mean a lot of these stories that potentially have some sort of life-threatening uh idea behind them really obviously can only not pay out as we all know uh the second story in the superman issue Clark goes undercover in an asylum after getting hit with red K that, uh, that makes him act really goofy and somewhat delirious. Uh, they put him in an, an asylum and now that he's in there, he has to like pretend to be crazy Clark Kent to keep his identity secret. And eventually he breaks out and exposes that one of the guys at the asylum is a huge dick and mistreating the patients. Uh, weirdly, weirdly kind of sensitive issue. If you really think about how we treat the, the mentally ill in the United States, um, but also it, it very openly mocks the mentally ill by having every member of the asylum pretend to or believe that they are a hi historical figure. So. so there's a couple things that I want to rattle off on this one. The first is this is coming out within a year after uh, the novel version of to, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And like I'm on the fence on this one. Uh, where I come down is it could be worse because it is very... It is very clearly positioning as the antagonist, the guy who is a dick to the people who are patients. And yeah. there are the lines very clearly said of what these people need is to be supported and uh, and, and helped. Uh, and Superman is playing along with their uh, complexes uh, to to try to be a kind a gentle person but yes it is 
there is absolutely at its core a these people are weird to it. It's just he, that we should be yeah. kind to them despite them being weird. He plays along with it as much as you play along with a child playing make-believe. Yeah. He never he never yeah. begrudges them for um, believing who in who they are. He just kind of is like, hmm, this guy's clearly lost it. That's kind of the the take that he has. It's it's more pitying than it mm. is mocking. Um, That's a good way to put it. And it, it's very much, it reads a lot like an old Looney Tunes cartoon that's insensitive in some way that Warner Brothers now would be like, we've learned some things and wouldn't necessarily play on like the Chuck Jones show. Wow, that's a deep cut for us, you know, millennials. Anyway, um, Action Comics number 303, August 1963. Superman is turned into a Kryptonian monster due to red kryptonite and has to get Supergirl to help him convince everyone that he didn't accidentally eat himself because uh, Jimmy Olsen sees the Superman suit in the Kryptonian monster's mouth and assumes very honestly that the monster has eaten Superman and he has to like... And when I say monster, I mean he looks like cut-rate Falcor from... Yes. The uh, the never ending story. <laughs> I'm glad we both had the same thought on that. Um, it just think of Falcor, but with lots more scales and like scaly looking, and kind of like uh, maybe more Eastern Dragon. Yeah, you know Eastern Dragon uh, Dragon looking, and uh, he just has to convince them not to kill him while he's under the effects of Red Kryptonite. And specifically, the challenge is that he'll be trying to write it out in like the ground or the sky. And then they'll attack in such a way that it wipes off the uh, the writing and just yeah. like, oh, no, I was doing skywriting. And then the pl- there was an explosion and no one can see like the clouds for skywriting anymore. And that's the thing that they go with. Yeah, it's uh, not a great story. It's it's a red kryptonite <laughs> story at its core. And red kryptonite stories, yeah, are, are definitely not uh, not our favorite but they do happen a lot. Uh, not our favorite, but quite frequent. Yeah. I I thought about sitting down and looking at how many of the stories that we've covered over these three episodes have been Red Kryptonite stories. I didn't, but mostly it's that just has to do like, with not wanting to. It has to be like 40%. 40% of the stories in two years have to be Red Kryptonite based or Something adjacent. Like um. Action Comics number 304, September 1963. Superman and Lana Lang. Ooh, not Lois, Lana. Lana gets a lot of play in these in the series of issues, which is kind of surprising comparatively. It's usually Lois who gets the uh, Superman adjacent stories, but Lana Lang shows up a lot more. Uh, Lana Lang, Superman's old flame from when he used to live in Smallville, is a television reporter. That's what separates her from Lois, who is a newspaper reporter. Anyway, Superman and Lana Lang get teleported to a planet where galactic olympics are being held with a bunch of guys from different planets and superman throws the games much to lana's dismay and then he explains to her that like the games were an attempt to drain his strength by the superman revenge squad and the the games were rigged so he just like saw through that and just kind of faked being weak and they let him go and they were like man better luck next time lana was incredibly pushy in this story and i was not about that because the way that she was almost shaming Superman for not winning the events 
felt really uncomfortable to me. And I was like, you need to back up off of him because you know Superman well enough to know that if he's struggling with something, something's probably wrong with him. And instead of going like, you're letting Earth down, you should be like, are you okay? Very weird story. It, I was very surprised at how this, how Lana was written in this. It feels to me like this is, to some degree, they decided that she was the audience stand-in and that the audience's perspective on this ha- is that Superman is the guy who overcomes all challenges and like the moral value of Superman is diminished by a lack of demonstrated strength. Yeah. It There's a lot happening in that in that yeah. story and I was not about it for a number of reasons. Yeah. Um we're going to move on to Superman number 164, October 1963. Hey, look, a Lex Luthor issue. We haven't seen one of these in a while. Um, mainly because, and I think the, the the continuity of Superman issues we've seen, Luthor has been in jail since the last time Superman and he tussled. Uh, Luthor was on that planet with robots and Superman had to prove his innocence by leaving, by getting one of his own robots to kind of like <laughs> fake his death for Luthor. Anyway, that's right. Um, Luthor in jail says, you know what? I could probably beat Superman if it wasn't for those pesky powers. You know, that age-old feeling we all have when he's, when we see a guy who's ten times stronger than us going like, you know what? I bet I could kick his ass if he wasn't that strong. And Luthor challenges Superman to a contest on a planet with a red sun to prove that once and for all he's the better man. And Superman's like, well, if I don't do this, Luthor's going to just keep coming back, so I'm going to do it. They go to the planet with the red sun. Luthor looks yoked. Like, in the previous pages of the story, he looks like his kind of somewhat stocky, I'm not going to say pudgy, but like he's a heavier set gentleman. He does not look like he has muscle on him. When he takes his shirt off in the story to fight and like box Superman, he looks almost as buff as Superman. And I'm like, all right, Luthor wishes he looked that good. <laughs> <laughs> he's much more interested in building, you know, toys to get himself out of jail than he is you know doing push-ups and sit-ups and reps you know in his in his cell i don't know uh superman eventually wins the fist fight and then luthor kind of tricks him into going into the alien uh fauna or or the alien flora and superman gets lost in a dust storm in the middle of the, the desert on this planet and luthor finds a civilization that is in desperate need of some technological help so he helps them and they think that he's a great you know wandering hero and when Superman shows up, he's like, no, this is my enemy. So the town turns on Superman and is cheering Luthor. And Luthor, for the first time, is like, this is the best. This is what I always wanted. And uh, they keep fighting in the city now in like a gladiatorial arena. But Luthor realizes that the planet is going to run out of water soon. And so he throws the fight, says, I give up. And as Superman and him are leaving the planet, he goes, hey, can you help me give water to these folks? Because they're going to die if there's no water on this planet. And Superman's like, yeah, sure. So he hucks a bunch of ice at the planet which i guess is how superman solves all you know drought <laughs> issues it's just a bunch of frozen ice goes towards the planet and it melts and gives the planet water and he goes like hey that was a really nice thing to do are you sure that you didn't throw the fight because you wanted to help these people and luthor's like shut up and take me back to earth you jerk and in jail superman brings luthor a telescopic uh, view of the planet and shows that they have built a statue for luthor commemorating his help 
And Luthor's like, huh, maybe it's not so bad being a good guy. Whatever, whatever, I'll get you next time, Superman. And that's the end of the story, which I thought was kind of cute. Yeah. And oh, weird, yeah. Sort of like, this was actually kind of a delightful story. And like, yeah, this isn't terribly well written, but it was an interesting twist to see Luthor do the right thing. And I feel like we're getting more of those recently, not so much in Superman stories, but in Supergirl stories, when he t- whenever he teams up with Supergirl to help his uh, younger sister. Uh, yeah, we we definitely see the moments of Luthor's humanity. Yeah, yeah, that's a good and way. That to put is, it. and that is an interesting thing. Yeah, uh, I I just have written down uh, in my notes screen cap of uh, one page. This is the good shit. TM followed by the good shit in all caps, and then the good shit exclamation mark underline <laughs> as it just progressively does the oh the villain has a soft spot that. He didn't realize he had like you know what this is this is the grinch yes it is very much a grinch situation god who would be max for luther is it like the only characters he, he really surrounds himself in semi-modern continuity is what uh faith and hope mercy what mercy yeah what are, mercy there are two of them right uh no just 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 mercy really oh as far as I'm aware, I don't know. It might have been a specific block of time where it was Mercy and somebody else, and then they decided that they didn't care about the other person. But Yeah, give me one. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Put uh, put me. reindeer ears on the bodyguard. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and a red nose. Paint 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 Mercy's nose red. She's a cyborg. She doesn't care. Or an android. Whichever That's one. right. She gets all excited. Mm. Are, are we going to go in the car? Are we going to get in the car? No. <laughs> you're going to drive the car. <laughs> Yes. And and I think to your point, these moments kind of begin the creation of the character in which Luthor is a man striving to protect and show the, the, the beauty of humanity and pissed off that Superman basically gives everybody a shortcut. Mm-hmm. Luthor being willing to help other people who aren't Superman with his genius is kind of the version of Luthor that I love where he's like, don't you hate that I help people with my money? And it's like, yeah, I kind of do. And also you like do a shitty thing where you like make things better for yourself in the process. But also you helped people. It's like that episode in Young Justice where he brokers the peace between the two Korea analogs, like North and South Relasia. Mm-hmm. And he brokers a peace between the two of them and scores like a supply deal with each of them. By showing off Mercy's defensive capabilities. And it's like, yes, I have brokered a civil war, a peace in a civil war between two nations. Also, they're both going to buy weapons from me from now on. Luthor is just that kind of enterprising Samaritan. Hmm. It is, I think, to your point, yeah, we are starting to get those little character moments that are kind of like Sinestro. Seeing him start to be the clever. Yeah you know conniving evil villain that we you know you pointed that out when we were doing green lantern so it's like we're we're starting to see these moments which is good and we might as well because it's only been like three four years that they've started to develop them characters who have actual stakes that they are working towards yes absolutely second story in superman 164 um is that superman fights a phantom zone uh prisoner who escapes, who is incredibly superstitious, and Superman preys on his superstitions with Kryptonian 
superstitions. Let's say it one more time just to make it sound weird. Superstition. He gets him. Obviously, that's the whole point of the character. He get he gets the guy. Anyway, he puts him back in the Phantom Zone. And I I just want to comment on this one because two things. Uh first both rooted in the same thing. This story is foreshadowed by a letter to the editor that they show on the uh, mail page, uh, mailbag page on, uh, I think it's in the first story that we covered, uh, Action Comics 135. Maybe it was Action Action 303, I think, uh, where someone said, hey, are, are Kryptonian, we're Kryptonian superstitious. And there are two things. Uh, on They've given themselves a bit of an out uh, because they said that Kryptonians were superstitious. They weren't at the time when everything when everything went down, but there there were old superstitions. So it's there's a little bit of wudginess there. Of you answered that there wasn't, but there was in the past, but. This, this story is written as though there were superstitions at the time, all of which normally wouldn't matter to me. But I want to make a point here. The mailbag is very word of God. Not in the sense that it has the authority of that, but that that is the purpose of the mailbag in a lot of cases. It is to get called out or for people to send in their call outs of, hey, I noticed this, but that's... Here's a gotcha, like you said, dumb example, uh, that there was a story where Superman went to war, but I caught you guys because he's been at war, he's been in a war with crime the whole time. It's this that kind of pedantic stuff that that sometimes we engage in, but not all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I think there's a level of pedantry in which there is gotcha or yeah. um, well actuallying. And versus, look, Martian Manhunter isn't the strongest character in the in the DC universe, and he keeps talking about it. It's Superman. We all know it's Superman. Stop having him say that. Yeah. There's a difference between that and semantic pedant. Uh, semantic pedantic. Yeah, and the <laughs> the mailbag page is 100% semantic pedantic. Uh, that is its raison d'être, and mm-hmm. it it makes me. I, I was a little bit annoyed that they said that, oh, we'll talk about superstitions in an upcoming issue, and they made it seem as though it was everybody still believed that at the time of Krypton's destruction. Uh, make, make up your mind how word of God you're going to be. Uh, the bit that makes me even more just petulantly annoyed, uh, it actually gave the example in here, in that letter of, for example, uh, if you see if a, if a Kryptonian sees a comet, they go into a cave for twenty four hours. Uh, in the comic, forty eight hours in the letter. So within a span of two months, whatever, some somewhere around there, they just got a number wrong. <laughs> but I don't actually ask for consistency but if you're going to insist on it live up to it (laughs) yeah play play by the rules that you set yeah that's exactly it that is exactly it and what do i always say fans of the podcast 
always follow the rules of your own world. If you start making shit up when you've established rules, things get muddy. Rules allow for structure that that give you the ability to explore within. Mm -hmm. Having that foundation makes it easier to build outward. If you think of your rules like the trunk of a tree, everything out of that now becomes a branch. If your thing is, you know, windy like a vine because it's rule of cool, it can work, but it needs support. You gotta have something solid to build off of whatever it is. You just got to have it. Even if your world is just the real world, that means your rules are all just the laws of physics <laughs> and what we can perceive in the human spectrum. That's great. But if you're like doing fantasy or sci-fi, you don't have to think of like how physics works in your fantasy world, but like you can at least be like, does magic deplete? Is there a cooldown time? They drink potions. Is that needed? That's the kind of stuff you should think about. You don't need to go back to like 10,000 years ago. The magician, what's his face, figured out how to do magic. Like, you don't have to do that. Tolkien did it once, and then we all figured out that we had to do it. And it's like, no, it's like, I know that guy was cool, but like, we don't have to do that. You know, just make sure it's internally consistent so that when you're doing magic or you're doing science or whatever, you don't have to keep explaining it. It's just a thing that the reader goes, I remember how that works. I know what that means when they say that. I don't have to think about it. Like Superman's powers. Yellow sun radiation. That is, a, that is a standard rule and it works. That means you have a bunch of things that you can do to the yellow sun. Rules matter. Here endeth the lesson. That is, that is your, 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 I don't know what, like your bi-yearly reminder that I am a big rule snob when it comes to your books for internal consistency. <laughs> Uh, we're going to go to Action Comics number 305, October 1963. This is a what-if issue. Um, basically, it's a whole series of stories that explain why Superman needs a secret identity. And they're like, what if Superman you know, chose to reveal his identity as Superboy? Then the Kents would get killed. So he obviously needs a secret identity. What if Superman revealed his identity in the course of saving Jimmy and Perry? Then he would be revealed and then he would, you know, be outed and he couldn't, he could live wherever he wanted, but then he'd be mobbed all the time because of publicity and he wouldn't be able to do his job because everybody would know where he'd live and he'd never get any peace and quiet. What if Superman left his job at the Daily Planet and tried to be a cop? He'd have no references because any identity he made up would have no background. <laughs> it's like that one. especially. I mean, oh my God. In that story, Superman tries out to be a cop. And they're like, cool, put your references, your social security number, phone. And he's like, oh, shit, I didn't think of any of that for this this identity. Crap. This is quite literally the heyday of the CIA. Exactly. They can manufacture an identity. Yeah. So, I don't know. Those were, those were kind of superfluous in the sense of it's like, we've seen reasons for this before in fact i'm fairly certain we've seen a whole storyline about superman and jimmy olsen living in an apartment together and the That's reason right, he yeah. couldn't do that was because 
he he kept getting mobbed by the paparazzi and it like made his job really difficult. I'm like, we already know he doesn't want to do this because of X reasons. This felt like a wasted issue. It felt like somebody was trying to get some exercise and they let him go for a walk in a in an issue. So it was just like, all right, fine. Uh, Superman number 165, November, November 1963. Red Kryptonite makes Superman's powers work only when he's upside down. Yeah. Arbitrary. Uh, so he gets Saturn Woman from the Legion of Superheroes to pretend to be Cersei, the ancient sorceress, to pretend like she was a spurned lover and make him go upside down to torment him until he agrees to marry her. And then when the red kryptonite wears off, she disappears. And Lana Lang and Lois Lane are like, that was weird. Like, there's a whole subplot about Lois also being, like, the first woman in space. Which is cool. But then, like, that's largely overshadowed by Lana Lang covering the Cersei being uncovered story. And I was like, can't we just focus on Lois having a really cool moment? Like, this is kind of a big deal. Like, yeah, there were Lois being the first woman in space is pretty dope. <laughs> there were a lot of pages devoted to the framing device of the two uh, reporters competing with each other. And it doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it, it becomes a setup for them finding Cersei. It, it is a really bad use of the instigation nation here. And I'm mad about it. For those of you who don't know, the instigation nation is what I call characters who are either love interests or sidekicks who frequently incite the action or plot of an issue, either by being in distress or bringing the issue up to the hero. You know, they don't always have to be needing saving, but they are always usually the inciting, the the vehicle for the inciting incident. So I call them the instigation nation. It is a good phrase. Now, there's one piece of this that we didn't cover yet, though, that just had me fucking dying. Yeah. I... I, I suspect I'm I wonder if I'm if I'm going to say the thing that you're expecting, but there's no, a go ahead. there's a piece at so the perpetrators that they're trying to uh convince uh they're trying to convince people in the Superman Revenge Squad that the ray that made it work that way, uh the I think it was the red kryptonite effect, uh was not working because Oh, he's still able to do these things, all the superpower stuff. Our our uh, thing didn't work, and at the end of the issue, they they go back and report, yeah, it didn't work. We're sorry, and they get demoted to the Crypto Revenge Squad. <laughs> it was so good. It's pretty great. I love that there's a group of men somewhere in the galaxy trying to find ways to thwart a dog. I'm pretty sure that's the plot of a Marmaduke movie, but I I feel know. like can you imagine if all of the antagonists from different Airbud movies got together? Can we get the Snyder <laughs> cut of that? that? I would I would pay good American dollars to watch the Airbud Revenge Society. God, what's what's the uh what's the adjective? <laughs> it's not the sinister 6. It has to be uh the acrimonious the 8. The the bellicose buds. Ooh. ooh. Uh there you go. That's my AP English grade going to work. <laughs> I have a, I have a communications degree. <laughs> you are good at communicating. 
Uh, some would say too good. Anyway, the second story in this Superman issue is he gets amnesia because of red kryptonite. Of course he does. And he loses his powers for a week. And he falls in love with a sweet country girl outside of Metropolis who's named Sally. And he ends up wanting to marry her. And then he gets his memory back. And he's like, I gotta go. But he laments not staying with Sally because Sally loved him for who he was and not for his powers like Lana and Lois. And I was like, ah, we have hit the crux of the issue that I have with those relationships. Yes, we have become self-aware, Superman comics. Well done. It only took you 165 issues to get to the point where we have addressed this, but it's time that we have. Action Comics number 306, November 1963. Superman pretends to be Clark when on assignment in a foreign nation to draw out a plot against the nation's president. Um, basically, a bunch of terrorists or insurrectionists or what have you. Uh, people who are leading a coup of some sort. Rebels, what have you. Um, think that Clark Kent looks an awful lot like Superman when he takes off his glasses. So they try to get Clark Kent to pretend to be Superman to kill the president of their nation. The nation's a kind of... Uh, south america sort of cuba analog and uh obviously it doesn't work but it was just like okay this is a weird thing we're doing no one's gonna make the connection that clark kent looks exactly like superman just just not even gonna go that extra step all right final story we're gonna cover action comics number 307 december 1963 clark is a marked man for writing a story about a mobster and he pretends to be his own assassin to draw out the kingpin so that he can arrest the guy who's put the hit out on him. And Clark <laughs> basically pretends to do his own Matches Malone yep. sort of situation. And I kind of love it. Um, do we have a name? I forget the name of the character that he calls himself. Yep. Deadshot Daniels, an alias of Superman. Yeah. So Deadshot Daniels. There's, there's some layers to this. Batman's undercover criminal identity is Matches Malone. A guy with an eye patch who is real rough and tumble. And shows up in the underworld occasionally as a criminal for hire. Batman uses that character to infiltrate a lot of criminal groups or the underworld. Superman's is Deadshot Daniels. Deadshot is the actual name of a super of a DC villain who looks an awful lot like Superman's secret identity. Because Deadshot has the pencil-thin Clark Gable mustache in the comics. Um, when he doesn't look like Will Smith in the Suicide Squad movies. Um... The the original version of Deadshot looks like this version of Superman dressed up as a criminal, which is just kind of funny um, that they have these these silly sort of undercover identities. Floyd Lawton is Deadshot. Um, not that it's similar to Deadshot Daniels, but it's just it's very funny to me. Um, that's the end of our Superman coverage for 1962 to 1964. That was a lot. I know, that was four episodes of Superman, and we, we took you on four. quite a bit of a ride here. But remember, it's because he's in action and Superman. He's in the most books, I want to say, next to Aquaman. Because um, Aquaman's an action, adventure, Justice League, and Aquaman. He's in four books. Superman, I think, is in Brave and the Bold, World's Finest, Action, Superman, justice league where he is a like headliner batman i think is in just batman brave and the bold world's finest um detective and justice league so he might actually be the same um but off topic 
these stories, God, what was it, like every other one of them was a red kryptonite related one. Yeah. Um, the most significant thing I think to come out of them is the, the Luthor revelation that he wants to be loved by society, by the crowd, by the mob, whatever you want to call it. Luthor enjoys being the hero. And he didn't really realize that was something that he enjoyed. That's a cool thing to notice and acknowledge and bring up about the character. Weird, weird Lana Lang stories where she is weirdly antagonistic and often aggressive. And we haven't seen a lot of Lana Lang stuff because she's usually the main flame for Superboy. And she usually comes in to be a foil for Lois Lane to cause problems. Rarely is she the only woman in the story with Superman. So this was kind of a weird sort of anomaly that we haven't really seen in a long time. Um, the Superman stories, because we talked about this, I mean, we've brought this up, I want to say a number of times, not having a central villain. Just being him dealing with crime at all. is starting to show that his lack of depth needs fantastic stories. That's why he's always doing such enormous tasks, like competing in the Galactic Olympics. He has no real common enemies to fight, so he's got to do these weird, insane, you know, topping one after the other sort of plots that are beyond any other character. You know, um, we didn't see him time travel at all in these in this half year that we just covered um no the superman dorian super villains we only had one we just had one phantom zone yeah um the superman revenge society coming back frequently is actually kind of fun i enjoy having i enjoy superman having his own legion of doom effectively it is it gives him something to do Having an antagonistic force that is constantly there that he cannot destroy is a good substitute for a rogues gallery, i.e. the Green Lantern Corps versus the Yellow Lantern Corps. Hal not having a consistent villain to fight means he needs an entire antagonistic force for him to fight, an, an organization. Um, that gives, you know... That's Indiana Jones and the Nazis. That's James Bond and Spectre. You know, there's always one guy to fight, but he is part of a whole. You know, and so that kind of works for Superman. I'm actually kind of on board for that, because again, that's also like Captain America and Hydra. There's always tons of Hydra goons, and you've got, you know, Madame Mask and Lady Hydra and um, Red Skull but there is always a Hydra guy for him to fight. Strucker, Zemo, things like that. With the Superman Revenge Society, I would be fine if like a bunch of the Phantom Zone guys got on board with that. Yeah. And we started seeing like recurring Phantom Zone villains. Or um, if Luthor somehow got tangled up in them. Or Brainiac or something like that. If we had one of those guys who was the head of it that we constantly saw, it would actually give off a fun vibe that... I could get behind and feel fun or feel like it was a, it was a worthwhile story to see him best an organization as opposed to just again, 
crime in general. You know, with a big capital C. I'm fighting villains and nameless mobsters one after the other. Even if there was like a recurring mobster, I would be fine with that. Like a guy who just always constantly seems to be buying kryptonite or something like that. I don't know. I just... He needs... You know, if he's going to have someone to fight, an organization isn't bad. Because it does break up the monotony of having... I mean, how Brainiac can't always be coming back. Or Luthor can't always be breaking out of jail. Um, I miss Ultra Humanite. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, just things like that. I just feel like they're very close to figuring out a formula and they just it just isn't quite clicking just yet some of my thoughts on these issues are sort of along similar lines uh the the thing that the thing that comes to mind is that uh it it feels like when we talk about the silver age we're as we're going through it, we're now realizing that talking about the Silver Age, we're we're looking at the Silver Age with eyes primed to see specific things. Uh, if if you don't do the if you don't do the reading, let me just push my glasses higher up. Uh, <laughs> then you're kind of expecting you're expecting zaniness and larger than life things and. Just wow, Zowie, golly gee willikers, yeah, you know. But you're not expecting the lack of stakes, the lack of any kind of grounding, the lack of internal consistency, but also more just there. Nothing, nothing matters when nobody's returning, when there are no stakes, when there is no push against the status quo, when there really is just the status quo. Uh, the, the visual that I've, uh, used to think about this is this is the monkey's paw version of the silver age where it's, you can have zaniness, but you're not gonna, it's not going to mean anything. There's no joy and there's no character because this is, well, he's Superman. He's perfect and nothing goes deeply wrong that he can't fix. It's a very strange, weird house that you see on HGTV, Mm. but there's no furniture inside. It's all white walls. It's all empty. There's no character. There's no substance. It's very fancy. Doesn't matter what color you paint a wall if there's nothing for it to contrast with. Yes, it is. It is. It's peak, you know. Yeah. Style over substance. And again, it's very hard for us to use the, it's the Wild West of comics. They're still trying to figure their things out. This has been around for 30 years. The guys who are doing well, like Gardner Fox, have been doing this for a while. Like Jack Kirby, too. Like, that's why Jack Kirby was so good, because he was doing crap back in the Golden Age. All the Golden Age holdouts that are transitioning over to the Silver Age are the ones knocking it out of the park. Because they had 30 years <laughs> to get good at this. We're seeing, yeah, it's like we're seeing the guys who read their stuff in the Golden Age just now get jobs in the Silver Age. And they're not quite as good at it yet. Because there wasn't any way for them to write comics before getting this job. 
You know, there wasn't an, an indie comics industry. You know, so like you couldn't cut your teeth on like web comics or an indie zine or something like that. Like you you didn't have the facilities to do your own thing. So when you got these jobs, you were learning on the job and getting better. That's why John Broom is so good. Is because he's getting better and developing stuff over time. It's like you can tell that that guy actually knows how to write. But then when you look at Kaniger, you're like, what the hell are you doing? Bill Finger can really write, but it's not quite there. He's only so good at like detective stories. I wouldn't give Bill Finger a Justice League book. I'd give him Batman. I'd give him Green Arrow. But I wouldn't give him anything that had powers. There's there's another angle that I kind of look at it from. Uh, these stories feel deeply lowercase c conservative in the sense that they're not doing anything. They're not changing anything. They're telling stories within, ex- within an existing sandbox. Occasionally, there's a new element that comes in. They're just like, oh, cool. Let's... Let's riff on that for a bunch of stories. Like when Red Red Kryptonite comes into the picture, it's, okay, this is the thing that we're going to tell a bunch of stories with. Uh, And that almost feels like it's the anti-Wild West of comics. Like the the frontier of comics in the sense of a space that is being, a, a space that is in the process of being defined like that's where the interesting things are happening here it it feels like the the formula of these stories has calcified and they're not it's not a good template that they've calcified into and i want to i want to take this moment to draw a little bit of a line again uh uh just i've said this same thing each time uh the superman comics are to my read more consistently better than the uh, action comics. Just could be space, could be different people, not really clear, but there seems to be a through line of that. But overall, like it's a difference between enjoyable, moderately, I get some laughs out of it, and it's like, okay, that, that worked. And then action comics being... No. No. <laughs> I mean, you got to remember, he's still he's still competing against Congo Bill. Hmm? You know, like he's got those got those other weird like Not action anymore. comics characters. Uh, like you know, by by this point, it is oh, action no. comics is just Superman and Supergirl, uh, and there's a couple of like the one page like gag comics, uh, the ones that feel like Archie. But at this point, they've uh, it is the full 24 pages or whatever on Superman or Supergirl. They just don't do anything. And that makes it even worse. Yep. Oh yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got the page count. It It's just a question of whether you can negotiate for more pages for Superman as compared to Supergirl. I think you can make that case. Yeah. <laughs> or you Not could just... if you were making good comics. Not to slag on Supergirl, because honestly, yeah. sometimes her stories are better. I it's just think consistently. More problematic, like, but more interesting. But, but more interesting. But at the same time, Superman's your flagship character next to Batman. Yep. You should probably be able to negotiate more pages for him. Please try something. Yeah. Be try and make try and make a statement. 
try and do something like Quard or Gorilla City. Like, and one could argue that like Candor is very is very much a similar, you know, uh, mechanic. But it doesn't. I think the most we've ever seen is like those people trying to turn Candor against Superman. If we had, if he was going to Candor a lot and making relationships like Adam Strange has with Alana and Sardath, if we had like common reoccurring Candorian characters that Superman was building an audience up with or a, a like a crew up with and a, and a base of characters, I'd be like, yes, go to Candor. He's got dudes there that can help him with Kryptonian science. That way, he's not alone. He has support. We're not doing that, so it's always just him. It's yeah. always just him, and he needs he needs something else. He needs some support to lift him up, to give him either a supporting cast, which you would think would be Jimmy and, and Lois and Perry, but even they don't show up and do yeah. that much at all. I really wish I was seeing a lot more Superman and Jimmy hanging out, but maybe yeah. that's just in Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. I don't know. Same thing with you know Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane. Even with those two comics existing... I would want to see more inter interplay between these characters. You're, I'm, we're just not having it. There isn't as much depth as, say, Hal and Tom. Hal and Tom going on double dates with their girlfriends. Hal, Tom, and Barry going on a triple date. The level at which that Thomas Kalmaku is integrated into Hal Jordan's life. Hal Jordan has two other brothers that have been in stories that we frequently see. That's right. I want to see more like Superman and Supergirl bits happening in Superman stories where they're like hanging out and doing things like he's teaching her Kryptonian or she's teaching him because she spoke it natively. You know, that would be cool to kind of see little bits or Superman's going into Candor to learn about Kryptonian science and culture. Things that make him unique Mm -hmm. and flesh him out and give him more substance. Which I think is something we said in the last couple of episodes. Where it's like if he was doing stuff in Candor, where there was a through line of a bunch of stories that like he's constantly tinkering to improve Candor's air supply, and something in the storyline helps him figure a new part out, and then like that's been the arc between like three issues is like I've fixed Candor's oxygen or whatever. It'd be like that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. I'd want to keep reading to do that, and it doesn't have to be like every issue's about this. Every villain could have something that could help him. But there is no grounding. It's all one fantastic thing to another. He's constantly jumping into new scenarios. He's never it's, at rest. It, it's a roguelike without a meta. Yes, it is. It's, it's an ever-changing, always unique thing without any motif or theme. Yeah. I think especially the line relationships really stood out to me because you're absolutely right. Like There is so little of consequence of any of the traditional like friends of Superman in here. Like they, Lois and Jimmy show up, but they're not, it's, they're not, they're not part of the story in a deep and integral way. They are just, Oh, here is a person that things will bounce off of. They're not important. Yeah. 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 The end of the day, they're, they're just not important. They're almost, uh, so deprioritized by the story that they don't seem important to Superman either. They are plot devices, if anything. They're yeah. not characters. 
We didn't like Edit. these. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there isn't a lot to like when they're so shallow. Yep. And you can have shallow and be fun. Absolutely. You, you got to have one-dimensional characters still need to be characters. <laughs> it is. It is perfectly possible to have shallow entertainment, like early Adventure Time is shallow entertainment at the same time these have been around so long and when they are standing up next to other stories that are much more elaborate even the atom stands out over these you know gene loring's family history of her dad being a scientist that is constantly beleaguered by the fbi that the atom has to help him because he's such a smart guy that the government keeps you know making him a target for foreign scientists it's like that's a plot element that comes up a lot that I like that shows a consistency within the world that gives you reasons to look back at it or the Hawks going to and from Thanagar or will Adam Strange say on, you know, ran this time. When's he going to go back? Is he going to stay for a long time? Is he going to stay for a little bit? Is Alana going to come with him to earth this time? There are, there's things that keep you coming back to see what unique thing they're going to do. Superman, it's like, what weird shit is Red Krypton I going to make him do this time? I just, I just had the mental image of, like, some of the writers, artists, etc. In, in the middle of a wrestling ring, just the most uninspired match you've ever seen. Just great, great. And then you hear, by God, that's Gardner Fox's music. <laughs> comes in and oh my god oh i want that now (laughs) look at him he's got a dartboard full of plot devices what's he gonna do (laughs) i'm gonna collide these universes and by god you're gonna like it is that the flash that's the flash's music and is that no no that's jay garrick he's from the he's from the golden age this is like wcw (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's kind of like you hear you hear Thus Spake Zarathustra, and out comes Charlotte. And then you hear Thus Spake Zarathustra again, and out comes Ric Flair. Yeah. <laughs> it's like perfect. Perfect casting. I love it. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, anyway, that was we did it. We, we did it, folks. We brought wrestling into it. Um, once an episode. Just, just you wait. Um, Anyway, I think I think we're on to recommendations, unless you had more. Yeah, I, I think we hit everything. <laughs> Good. Get out of here, Superman. Um, all right. I actually recently just watched a Hulu anime series. I don't know if... Well, I don't think it's from Hulu. I think it's from Funimation. Um, it's called Bofuri. B-O-F-U-R-I. And I think the full title is Bofuri. I'm going to max out my defense because I don't want to get hurt. Um... <laughs> It is a an anime uh, about a girl playing a VR online game with her friend, and instead of like balancing her stats appropriately, she puts all of her stats into defense, and she like can't get killed. And so the whole story is her trying to find ways to fight, but also like not dealing any damage, but like getting these really insane powers because she can beat bosses by herself because she can't get killed. And it's just really wholesome because she makes a bunch of friends who are like, oh, well, I can do this so I can help you do that. And it's like really funny because like she puts no points into speed. So she has to walk everywhere because she can't run. 
<laughs> or like when she smacks things like it doesn't do any damage so she's just like poking monsters so they have to like hurt themselves on her because she's so tough or like she has to eat the monsters because like her sword does no damage so she has to like bite them <laughs> It's really funny. And it's like just very cute and wholesome. And it's about like making friends and and like just having a good time. So it's definitely something you should check out. It's called uh, Bofuri, B-O-F-U-R-I. And it's on Hulu right now. One season, about 12 episodes, both subbed and dubbed. Nice. On my end, I'm... I'm going to recommend Magicians, and I'm also going to recommend for the same reason, just immediately transfer over to Elguna Shiv is a webcomic from back in the day. I read it in early high school. I think it started in 2001, maybe 2002, somewhere in there. Uh, It's been going for a long time. Uh, And the reason that I'm speaking of it in the same breath as as Magicians is because it is another world that takes its, not just its rules seriously, but the things that it introduces, the the thing that has always like stuck with me the most, uh, there's a sequence. Look, there's a lot of gender transformations in this in this uh, comic, uh, and that's this whole separate conversation. It's interesting to sort of look at it as somebody who is going through as a creator who goes from oh, like anime, like Ronda one half kind of the pervy side to oh, hey, gender, huh? And mm-hmm. seeing that get sort of worked through in his com in, I, I think his comics. I think he still uses uh, primarily male pronouns. But a gender, put it this way: this is a comic that has gender casual as a real thing that people explore. And just is this? How, how do I feel about this? Because I've spent so much time being transformed, in, having my power source be rooted in gender transformation spells. Look, there's a lot going mm. on. Uh, that's actually kind of cool. I like uh, that. It's like, it's really good. I do highly recommend it. Uh, the other thing that's in terms of taking itself very seriously, it, that is absolutely one of it of taking its roots in that and taking that seriously, but also the archetypal clone, uh, story is a clone happens and then a clone goes away. Uh, there's a point where a, character gets transformed into a female form and is stuck that way for 30 days finds a diamond that will oh this will de-enchant me early uh and splits off a female form uh, version like the the enchantment is split off as its own entity and there's a story arc and that character is permanent that character is part of the primary cast from then hmm. on it is not the disposability of a clone slash red shirt slash android whatever it is no this person's a character and we shall treat them as such uh and that that decision to take itself seriously in that way has always stuck with me and i i do highly recommend it there is some absolutely some rough stuff early on both art and story elements but hey, you could probably start 10 years in and you would still have eight years to go. Wow. <laughs> yeah, lots of comics <laughs> and That's gigantic cool. story arcs. Individual like parties where people get together and talk stuff through and revelations happen are 200 
pages. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Give it a read. <laughs> that, Give, is, that is some that's some early two thousands web comics, people. Yep. That's some that's that's when people were were doing it for real. What those web comics were. What do I what do I have time for? I don't know. Whatever I want to write. <laughs> I'm the artist. I'll do what I want. Man, I respect that. Yeah. So you get some like least I could do stuff. You know, I the other one that I went back, I I reread a bunch of like the first 500 pages of questionable content. And it's just like, mm. "Oh, I can see the growth happening here." There's a core here that is going to carry through, but man, you have absolutely changed stuff up in good ways and also just yeah. like uh Jeff is on record as saying like it's basically been three comics over the course of its life. It just was he was able to sort of transition things. Yeah. That's that's for sure. Well, that's uh some some good watching and some good reading for you there. Um we're done. We're done with Superman for right now. We can move on to to Wonder Woman and find some more terrible things to complain about. And then we're going to move back to Justice League, where everyone will be slightly less annoying, but more annoying as a whole. So that'll be great. Um, But I think I'm excited. We're going to see Earth 3, which is the crime syndicate. Oh, yeah. Crime syndicate of America. Yes. Yes. And I'm excited because now we're starting to get into the fun, weird nonsense of the multiverse. Uh, so this is going to be... We're going to get to some fun, folks. It'll be fun. This is non-Monkey's Paw Silver Age. It's what oh, I yeah, want. This, this is some wacky Flash Gordon time travel, other dimensions, other like mirror universe of Star Trek, you know, bad guys. I'm excited. All right. Uh, thank you all for sticking with us for this long with all this Superman nonsense. We will see you all next time. We love you. Have a good day. DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And with that, our time with Silver Age Superman was done, at least for a while. The stories we'd covered lately had been zany with little joy, heroics with few recurring villains, Superman without any moral weight. It was a relief to finally have Metropolis in the rearview mirror. Wherever we were going next, it'd be better than this.